0: Good morning fellowship. My name is Monty Spurgeon and I am the pastor of students here at fellowship and I am so grateful for the opportunity to be up here this morning and get to be a part of our Proverbs series and teach. Uh, But before I do that, I want to introduce myself. Like I said, my name is Monty and I moved here about four years ago from Texas with my beautiful wife, Molly. We have three kids. We have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and we have a seven-week-old. So if I say anything crazy this morning, it's because I'm probably sleep-deprived, all right? So forgive me if it does happen. That was a joke. You could laugh. Um, But yes, as I said, I work in student ministry. I love student ministry. Before coming to fellowship, I was on staff at Pine Cove Camps. Anybody know Pine Cove? Yes. Love Pine Cove camps. I was there for a number of years. I worked for four summers on summer staff and then worked for five years on full-time staff. So Pine Cove has a huge part of my heart. But you know, as I came to fellowship in youth ministry, one thing I love so much about what we do at FSM is I love getting to do camps. I love camp ministry because I do believe that camps are such a unique way to create an environment for students that's different than what they're used to, to take them out of their norm, to take their cell phones away. Believe it or not, yes, we do that. We take their phones away and we get away for a weekend to have a good time. So last weekend, we were out at Ecoe Retreat Center for a week of camp with our guy students. We brought out 105 of our high school guys and middle school guys just to go and raft. There's some pictures of us rafting. Uh, this is a group of our eighth grade guys. He's riding the bull. And the next photo is him getting knocked off the bull. Um, And so we had 22 different rafts around the water that weekend, and we had so much fun. We also did some paintball. I got still bruises all over me and I'm still sore, but it was worth it, right? You have to play if you're the youth pastor, they wanna shoot you. And so that's typically how it goes down, right? And also at Forge, we love to play games. And so there's one game we play at Forge every year and it's called Bobbing for Stuff and Stuff. And so it is exactly what it sounds like. You're bobbing for stuff and stuff. And so one of the rounds we played at Forge Camp was we had some of these like middle school boys diving in, bobbing for sliced peaches and massive pans of mayonnaise, right? So I thought since I'm a youth pastor, I have to play this game. So if I can get five volunteers to come up on stage, I'm kidding, we're not playing games. I'm just joking. But like I said, we love camp. We love games. We love activities. And we do all of these things because we want to break down walls. And so as we get guys out of their environments into this you know this camp environment, that we know that all these activities are going to lead to one thing, and we hope that it's deeper conversations about God. And so last week at camp, we had, we talked about this idea that God is our safe refuge. And so we talked about that we're all going to go through storms in our lives, that we're going to face storms, and some of these storms in our lives they're going to be self-inflicted. They're going to be from sinful choices that we've made or things that we're doing that we've put ourselves in a situation and we find ourselves in a storm. Other storms we talked about could be that maybe your parents are going through a divorce or maybe you lost a grandparent or just something hard is happening in your life that you have no control over it. And so as we talked to our students about that though, we wanted them to understand that they can find safe refuge and that Jesus is a safe harbor. And so the whole week it was designed around asking really hard questions, asking students, hey, what is going on in your heart right now? What do you need from God? And I'll tell you, I don't know if there's anything more powerful than watching an eighth grade boy tell his group that I'm struggling with anxiety and I need help, that I can't get rid of this myself. Or high school guys telling them in their group that that I've been hurting myself and I don't know how to tell my parents. Or just like a number of things that you're hearing from our students and we're realizing more and more that our students are hurting. But I think as things begin to open back up and things seem to be back to normal, the assumption is that, oh, everything's back to normal, everyone's good. But really we're learning that there are students that are hurting. And so similar to our camp that we call Forge that we did last week, a couple weeks ago, we did another camp called CNBA, Camp No Boys Allowed. It is another great camp that we do every year. It's an all-girl camp. And this year we held it at the campus here at Fellowship. And so we had about over 200 girls in this room getting to worship God, getting to do all kinds of fun activities. But even at that camp, it was the same kind of conversation. The question we had asked those girls is, what is it in your life right now that is keeping you from knowing God, that is keeping you from experiencing God? What are the obstacles in your life right now? Where do you just need to invite Jesus into your brokenness and have him sit with you? And so as we look at camps, like we haven't been able to do camps in a year and a half because of COVID. So for me, as I experienced these camps, there were some of my favorite camps that we've ever done. And they were weird and they were different and they're not what we normally expect. But what happened out of those camps is that students started to ask really good questions. And so two questions that we get from students all the time that they're always asking us, you know, you probably get this as parents sometimes. They ask a question, and you're like, uh, I'm gonna call Lloyd on this one, right? Or like, I'm gonna call somebody else. And so we often have these moments with our students, but two questions that we get all the time from our students is this. The first question, how do I grow? You wouldn't believe the amount of kids that are asking that question. How do I grow? Right, and I think even Lloyd mentioned last week as he was talking about Proverbs six that he mentioned this idea that if we read our Bibles, one of the best ways to grow is to read your Bible. Like we know that, right? And if I were to ask this congregation, like, hey, what are some other ways that we can experience growth that you guys would begin to say, well, it's you, you got to pray, pray, and you can grow, right? Or go to church and, and you can grow, or or go join a fellowship group or go to youth group. Like we know all these things to say about how we can grow, right? We're experts in fixing ourselves. We're experts on working on ourselves because the idea is we all wanna grow. And so as our students ask that question, I know we as adults are asking that question. But see, here's the second question that students ask that makes this first question even more difficult. Because the second question is this, how do I know if I am growing? Like, how do I know if I'm changing? I, I don't see change. Like I wake up and I'm reading my Bible every day, but I'm not experiencing change. Or I'm praying and I'm doing all these things that, my, that my, these adult leaders and the church is telling me to do, but I'm not experiencing change. And so the wrestle for students and what gets so difficult in your faith and to walk with God, is because you just don't get to see the feedback. From an early age in our childhood, we've been ingrained in our minds to have feedback, to have results, to know how you're doing and to know how to improve. And so what do we do? We have have standardized tests. We have report cards at work. We have yearly reviews at work because we wanna know. If I'm ever frustrated at work, I'm frustrated because I don't know how I'm doing. I want someone to tell me, how am I doing? So no wonder for a teenager in their walk with Christ that it can be so frustrating because we don't get to have that feedback. And so the question becomes, what do we look for? What do we look at? How do we find, how do we measure if I'm growing? What do I look for? And so I love that. As we're gonna dive into our proverb this morning, we're gonna be in Proverbs 27, looking at just one verse this morning. And as we ask that question, what do we measure? What do we look at to see if we are growing? This is what Solomon would say. Solomon would say this in Proverbs 27, verse 19. Our proverb for us this morning. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Let's look at it again. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart reflects the man. This is a really simple verse and I love it. I love keeping things simple because even for our students, I wanna engage God's word in such a way because it is simple for us to understand. And so as I look at this verse, I see it as water face reflects the face. And so as I look at the water, I see the reflection of my face. If I were to hold up a mirror for you, you would see the reflection of yourself, right? There would be nothing hidden in that image. You would see you. And so Psalm is saying here, as the same, so the heart reflects the person. So what what does that mean? As, As a heart reflects a person, how do we begin to understand that? Well, I think the first question would be this, where do we see our hearts most tangibly expressed? Where do we see our hearts expressed? Well, we would say it's in our relationships, right? It's our relationships with our friends. It's the relationships with our wives or our children. It's the relationships with our husband. It's the relationships that are in our lives. That is where we see our hearts most tangibly expressed. And so that's what Solomon is saying here is that, hey, how you treat people reflects what's going on in your heart, right? I mean, we know that, we've heard that before. How you treat people, how other people experience you, how other people see things coming out of your heart reflects what's going on in your heart. We get that idea, right? We know that. And so what you have to understand is kind of in Proverbs 27, verses one through 16, you have Solomon teaching his son on this theme of relationships, And he's telling his son over and over again, hey, you have to know these things about relationships. And as you read them, they're they're kind of wild. Like like a lot of Proverbs, you read the Proverbs, and you're like, what is it trying to say? But thematically, as it all comes together, he's telling him, hey, there's this wisdom, and there are these warnings in your relationship, and you have to know these things. And you can feel, as you read the text, you can almost feel like there's just this urgency for his son to know these things. And you feel like it matters, and you feel like Solomon wants him to understand that it matters how you treat people. It matters how you have wisdom in your relationships. It matters about these warnings of things you should not do in your relationship. And the question we have to ask yourself, well, why does it matter? Because as in water, face reflects the face and so your heart reflects the person. When I was on staff at Pine Cove, I came on staff my first year after graduating college. I uh, was on staff at camp and my job was the guest service director. And so part of my job and my responsibilities at Pine Cove was to manage all the facilities at camp. So we had a huge facility. I worked at an eighth and ninth grade camp. We had anywhere from 300 plus campers on site every single week. So we have so many buildings and things that are going on. So part of my job is to make sure that everything looks good. The buildings are working, the lights are working. If there's a maintenance request, I'm the one putting it in. But also part of my job was to take care of the pool. And so we have a head pool guy at Pine Cove. He he takes care of all the pools, but then there's some of us on staff that are asked to kind of manage it and do the daily upkeep of the pool. And so I've never owned a pool. I know nothing about pools. I remember the first time I had a vacuum, I was trying to like figure it out. I was like, what am I doing, right? But I slowly begin to learn this process of taking care of a pool. And so part of that process for me every single morning was to take a pH test of the pool. And so every single day I would go to the pool and I would take this test and I would put the stick in the water. And on the stick, there are seven different colors and each of these colors reveal the condition of the pool. And so every day I would go into this, I'd take this test and I'd stick the stick in the water and I would see what the levels of the pool were and what I needed to add, what needed to be taken, taken away. And if it was above my pay grade, I would call the head pool guy and say, hey, I need you to come take care of this. But every single day, it was my job to make sure that the pool was safe and ready for people to swim in. And I believe as we look at this passage, what Solomon is trying to help us understand is that the pH test of our hearts is the relationships that are in our lives. If we wanna know if we're growing spiritually, if we wanna know how we're doing, take a look at the relationships that are in your lives. And for me, I get so convicted of that because just as the pH test exposes the condition of the pool, so our relationships begin to expose the condition of our heart as we begin to really pay attention, how do I treat people? How do people experience me? You know, the question I ask our students often is this question, is the gospel changing you? Is the gospel changing me? Is the gospel changing the way that I treat my friends? Is it changing my relationships? Is it changing the way that I talk? Is it changing the way that I think? Is the gospel changing me? You see, I think a lot like our students, we can get so fixed on this first question of how do I grow that, that it gets all about what am I doing? Am I doing enough or how can I do more? And so we just get so busy working on ourselves. And so we come in and out of church and we go in and out of Bible studies and we learn these things and we're like, oh my gosh, I have so much to work on. And so we go back to working on ourselves. We get so fixed on this idea of working on ourselves that sometimes we can miss the opportunities to allow the Lord to work through us in the relationships that are right in front of us. You see, we get so fixed on working on ourselves and God's saying, hey, I put people in your life right now for you to love and for those people to experience God's love through you. And so if you wanna know, are you growing spiritually? Are you growing? Is the gospel just not growing in you, but is it flowing out of you? Is the gospel flowing out of you? You see, I think sometimes we make this so complicated and so hard. And I think that's what you find in Mark chapter 12 when Jesus is with these group of men and these scribes and they're asking this question of Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Like if we just had this one thing, then we could know how to be a Christian. We could just know how to live the life that you've called us to. So what is the greatest commandment? And I think that's what it feels like for us when we're working on ourselves. Just tell me what to do to grow. Just tell me and I'll do it. And Jesus looked at these men and he says, you know what, here is the greatest commandment, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And so as I talk to our students, what do I want them to understand? What, What do I want them to understand about the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ? It's, it's this, that the love of God would move in my heart in such a way, that the love of God would transform our heart in such a way that it would not, I, mean, I couldn't help myself but to love people. Like that would be the natural outflow of that, that, that I love God and then that the love of God in me is compelling me so much just to go love people. And so how do we do that? How do we begin to love people? I think as we read this proverb in Proverbs 27, 19, it's, it's reminding us that, that the gospel transformation starts within our hearts and then it begins to flow out of us. That when we receive the grace of God, that we should live gracious lives that reflect God. I mean, this is low level stuff, people. I'm not trying to go over your heads here. How do we know if we're growing? Is the gospel changing the way that we love our children? Is the gospel changing the way that I love my spouse? Is the gospel changing the way that I love people? When people see me and they see my heart, what do they experience? they experience Jesus or they experience this person who's just trying to work on all the things. You see, I think what happens with students and as we talk to students a lot of times, we get so afraid of doing the wrong thing that it keeps us from doing anything. And so so much of our spiritual growth in this relationship with Jesus is so about the self and we're working on the self and God's saying, go and love the people. And so how do we begin to do that? What does that look like? Well, it has to begin with what we know starts to become shown to others as the gospel changes my heart, as the gospel begins to transform me, that what I know becomes shown. You see, it's important to understand this, that biblical wisdom, it begins with what you know, but it is only wisdom when it is expressed in how you live. That unapplied knowledge is not wisdom. And so I can work for all the knowledge, I can work for all the wisdom, but then until it begins to change the way that I live, it's not wisdom. And so Solomon is saying, hey, as water as in face reflects your face, but so the heart reflects the person. What do people experience when they see you? What do they experience? Are they experiencing Jesus? We cannot deny what the pH test tells us about our hearts. We cannot deny what it tells us about our hearts. So how do we begin to work through this? I'll tell you, I mean, I am constantly conflicted with this because I know that I do not do relationships perfectly. And so for me, there's been so many moments in my life where I've come home and I'm in ministry. I remember specifically two years ago, a conversation that I came home and I was fired up and, I was, and things were going really well at work and I was loving ministry and I was doing such a good job. I felt like I was able to minister to students and parents and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm doing so good. And I remember getting home and sitting on the couch. and My wife looked at me and said, Bonnie, I know you wanna be a great pastor, but I also need you to be a great husband. Hey, I know you wanna be a present pastor and you wanna be present for your people, but I need you to be present for your kids. And so there comes these moments in our relationships where we begin to realize that maybe the health of our relationships are not what we want them to be, right? That maybe the relationship with our kids is not the way that we want it to be. Or maybe it's a relationship with our spouse or our family or our friends. And we realize, I know God's calling me to do this, but things are not the way that they're supposed to be. And so the invitation for us is this, when we are confronted with our relationships, when we're confronted with the condition of our hearts, we only have two choices that we can make. The choice is this, that we can begin to move towards the gospel, that we can move towards wholeness in life that Jesus offered us, or we can move towards ourselves that I can hear these hard words from my wife and I can have this conversation and receive these things and I can move towards humility and I can move towards spirit dependence and I can move towards repentance with my wife and say, I'm sorry and say that it's only by God's spirit that I can be able to love my wife. It's only by God's spirit that I can be able to love my children the way that God has called me to. Because as in water, face reflects a face, so the heart reflects the man. So how do people experience me? What are they seeing in me? You see, when we tell our students this idea that Jesus is our safe harbor, right? That he is the only one that can fix your storm. Like you have to go to the safe harbor. And I think so often for us, once we find the safe harbor, we find it really comfortable to just to stay there. And that's not what God commissions us to do. The God says, hey, get back in your boat and go bring others to the safe harbor. And so just as we challenge our students weekly, hey, go back out there. May your love for Christ begin to change your schools. May it begin to change your communities and your friend groups. And they see you, may they see Jesus. And here's the truth, that it's only by the spirit of God that we can do this. It is only by the spirit of God that we are able to love others the way that God calls us to. So it's only by God's spirit that I can step into a hard conversation with my wife and receive hard truth and reflect on it and say, God, what is my heart chasing after? What does it need? As you you do the pH test in the pool, reveals the condition of the pool and tells me what it needs. As I look at my relationships, what does my heart tell me that I need? And I would begin to engage God in that and the spirit of God would begin to transform my relationships. You see, as we talk about this passage, there's a verse in chapter 27 on verse 17 that says this. We've heard this verse before, right? We love it, we throw it around a little bit. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another and one man sharpens another. So I remember this verse and seeing this verse and being so compelled to be like, this is it. Like, this is where I can drop the bomb. Like, this is where people understand this is what it looks like to love people. This is how the gospel changes us and what it's supposed to look like. And I thought, you know what? Actually, that's not what I wanna do. I thought, you know what? I have incredible students that love Jesus in our ministry. And instead of having me try to teach this guys to you on what this looks like, I thought I'm gonna invite these students to come up on stage and model it for us. And so if you guys would give it up for our two high school students that are gonna come up on stage right now. So... This is Molly and Colson, and they're awesome, and we love them both, and they are such great students in this ministry. And I had asked them, you know, I just like, who's two students I could ask? They're the first ones that came to my mind. And I asked them this question. I said, hey, guys, what is a relationship in your life right now that is sharpening your love for Jesus? And how is that relationship now pushing you to go and sharpen others' love for Jesus? And so, Colson, why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm Colson Murray. I am a rising junior at Franklin High School. And of course, I'm active at fsm uh so when monty asked me this question about relationships the first one that popped to my mind was my parents um so I, i'm really lucky to have grown up in a theologically focused household uh my dad's taught classes at this church in the past and he knows his bibles as anyone as, uh, as well as anyone that i know uh he would teach me that kind of stuff as a small child but i don't think that these kind of bible lessons were the most important contributor towards my relationship with god uh even more important than that was their direct relationship with me Uh, So to this day, they've shown me more love and compassion than anyone else uh, I've ever known. Um, So guys, story time now. Um, The first story that comes to mind, uh, I was a 6th grader, so I was about 12. um, Not very smart, of course. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So I was given a class permission slip. Uh, We were going to the zoo, and my English teacher was responsible for getting the forms. She decided to tell us that if we didn't have these permission slips on time, uh, there was no way we could go. Of course, I'd find out later that that was a lie. But to my 12-year-old mind, that was it. That was the end. Um, So that Friday came. And guys, I'm really, really bad at remembering that kind of stuff. I'm glad I don't have forms like that anymore. Um, So the form was due. Uh, I hadn't even told my parents I had the form. So when I got to school, I was terrified. I mean, surely this had to be the end of my career. Everyone was going to laugh at me. I mean, what would my parents say? There was such carelessness on my part. So my genius self decided that the best solution was to forge their signature. Yeah, some of you know where this is going. Um, so as soon as I gave it in, uh, she noticed and she gave me the obligatory detention. Uh, but the real punishment would come when I had to talk to my parents later. Um, when I got home that night, they actually didn't uh, yell at me. They talked to me with compassion and love and told me why what I did was wrong and what I should do to rectify it. Um, So I took their advice, and when Monday came, I went and apologized to my teacher. Um, They really weren't mad, and they showed their genuine compassion in the midst of shame, which was incredibly important to me realizing how God treats us. Um, For those of you who are wondering, I did get to go to the zoo. Not worth it. Overrated. (laughs) Um, So personally, in a large part, I see this as God's calling to parents. He calls them to show the kids grace as he himself shows incomparable grace to his children. Uh, I think the reason I had such a relationship with Christ when I was younger was because of the model that they gave me. It really, um, parents are the first line that shows us how God treats us. Um, In my experience, you're born with a two-way relationship with your parents. Uh, It goes both ways. It's strong and you don't really have to work for it as a child. But your relationship with God doesn't work that way. You have to work towards a relationship with Him, and I think it's crucial to have a model for what you need to be looking for in a relationship with Christ that you can only get from parents. Um, So, on to the second part of the question. Monty was talking about how um, our relationships, uh, how people are pouring into us and how that pours out into the real world. Um, So I think it's remarkable how in my experience it's impossible not to let these uh, examples for relationships show in my other ones. I think everyone would agree that sibling relationships are more difficult than parental ones. Um, However, I've noticed that when I engage with my brother, I just act like how my parents taught me, and I can't help but foster a genuine relationship with him. Um, I trust him with anything, and I think he trusts me too. I would hope so. Um, It does help, though, when we have the same parents guiding us through life. Uh, It's much harder when you're talking about new friends. Um, Throughout my life, I've had extremely different friend groups. I've changed friend groups four or five times at this point. Um, But I didn't really um, pursue a relationship with Christ until seventh grade, despite knowing about him before that. Um, I'm glad to say that when I did, my relationships immediately started getting more Christ-centered, and I actually focused more on how I was going to pursue those relationships. Um, I think in the vein of what we're talking about today, it's incredibly important to actually pursue your friends and to um, encourage grace in them towards other people, even though it might not be easy to show. Um, And as I've poured that into my friends, I think that I've seen the same being poured into me. Um, I think that's incredible. And I think that uh, because I, uh, well, I think that we can easily see this all comes back to my parents, right? It's all uh, their grace pouring into me that pours out into others. And uh, I think that because I have the good example of grace from them, I can spread it. And God can only really do good things with that.
2: Hi guys, my name is Molly Walker and I'm a senior at Franklin High School and I'm also pretty involved in FSM. And the first people that also came to my mind were my parents. And ever since I was a baby, my parents have poured love and truth into our relationship. And they raised me by teaching me Bible verses and praying over me every night. And I feel like doing this from a young age has really helped me find peace and learning about Christ. And that's like where I feel comfortable and it's just so important to like... In your relationship with kids, just making sure that that's like poured in from a young age to make it comfortable when you get older. Um, And they have taught me how Jesus loves us and how we should love each other. Um, God calls us to love like him. And I really do see how my parents have loved me like he loves us. The Bible says that love is patient, kind, not self-seeking, not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And I can observe these qualities in the way that my parents have raised me, and I really see how they've treated me in this way. Um, And this has helped me kind of understand how much God loves us. Um, And even when the world um, is telling me that I'm a failure and that um, I'm not wanted, My parents have always come to me with open arms and loved me, and that has helped me understand that that's how God loves us. And even when our relationship seems distant with Him, He wants to be in a relationship with us, and He um, welcomes us with open arms. Um, My parents have also spent a lot of quality time with me that has helped us develop and engage in an open relationship. And this time devotion has allowed for honest conversations to happen about where I am in my faith and about Christ. Um, Having this type of relationship with my earthly parents has helped me understand how to grow my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Um, And my parents have challenged me to love and trust Jesus as well and build this relationship. And on to the second part of the question and how I'm sharpening my relationships with others around me. At first, I was kind of confused about what the word sharpening really means and how we can compare that to how we treat others. So I kind of looked into, like, when a knife is sharpened. Um, a knife is still a knife, whether or not it's sharpened. But um, a sharpened knife is a lot more effective at doing its job. And when we're in relationships that are sharpening us and challenging us to be um disciple makers and um, have a stronger faith then we are going to be able to make more disciples and like do what God has called us to do Um, and a sharpened knife is also a lot shinier and we stand out when we are challenged um, in our faith and people will notice that we have a different hope than people that live for this world and that's really what God is calling us to do Um, So what this has looked like in my friendships is luckily I've been able to find a group of friends that have really been able to challenge me. Um, And this looks like having really hard conversations about where our values lie and um, encouraging each other to be in the word. Um, And one of my friends and I were talking the other day and she brought up Romans 1.12 that says, that is that we may be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I think that's been really encouraging that People are encouraged by what I'm doing in my faith and I can be encouraged in what they're doing. And this helps you grow. Um, And when people around you are seeking a stronger faith, faith that will influence you to do the same. Um, Currently, I feel like my biggest challenge with um, sharpening my relationships around me has definitely been just feeling really busy and not wanting to get deep because it's really easy to stay on a surface level with your friends. But I think it's important to take the time to have deep conversations and really like hard conversations that may lead to tension, but in the end will really like help you grow your faith and um, a stronger love for Jesus. And I'm very thankful for friends that have helped me do that.
0: You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear these students talk, I see Jesus in them and that the way they share makes me wanna love Jesus more. And I think that's that's the unique opportunity that God has given us. That's a unique unique opportunity God's given you as parents to be that relationship with your children, to not be afraid of saying the wrong thing that keeps you from doing anything, but that you could just show up and that you could just be there, the relationships with our spouses or our friends or our family, that we could begin to live in such a way that the gospel doesn't become such a private part of our life, but it becomes a thing that's just, we can't help but overflow out of our hearts and our minds and that people, when they see us, they see Jesus. You know, when we talk about FSM, I say this often, I think we have one of the best ministries in the country and it's not because we have the greatest worship or teaching or programs, it's because we have men and women who give their life away, who are leaders that come and love on these students every single week. And we see it modeled for us. They're sharpening their love for Christ. And we see these students growing and having a more vibrant faith. And so when I experience this, you know, I just become so hopeful that this doesn't become just something that lives within a ministry, but it becomes something that's lived within our families, that it becomes lived within our homes, within our friend groups and all the places that we go, that we could begin to experience each other in a different way. And so I have just a, a challenge for us this, this uh, Sunday as we wrap up here. Um, I have some questions that I wanna put on the screen. And really these questions kind of become a pH test for our hearts, right? That we could think about the relationships that are in our lives, the relationships that we're close to, the people that we have in our lives that we care about. Maybe it's with your children or your spouse or your family or your friend or a roommate. I don't know who it is. But I think about what, what would it look like to just have the conversation? Hey, how do you experience me in our relationship? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know how people experience me. So maybe asking that question could begin to reveal some things. I think about how incredible it would be for a parent to ask the question to their child. Hey, how do I sharpen your relationship for Jesus? In fact, how can I better do that? You know, I think about working with students in in COVID. I think with parents, sometimes we can make so many assumptions about how students are doing that we feel sometimes just to stand in there with them and ask the question, how are you doing? And to not say anything, but to provide space for them just to talk. And so what would it look like for us to have these kind of conversations within our homes and within our friend groups, whatever it may be. But here's the goal, that the spirit of God would begin to transform us in such a way that it begins to transform the relationships around us. That's how we know we're growing. That's how we know we're growing is when our relationships around us begin to experience Jesus in us. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the gospel, Lord, that we are broken people. God, that we are hurt people that hurt people. And Lord, it is only through your son, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God, that we can be made whole. That God, it's only through your son that we can begin to experience wholeness, God. And so Lord, would you begin to make our relationships whole? Would you begin to make us whole through your son, God? As we begin to find life, and as we begin to understand the grace and mercy of Jesus, God, would we live lives that reflect the grace and mercy of Jesus? And would it begin to transform our homes? Would it transform our families? God, would it transform our community? That God, when people see us, that they would experience Jesus. God, we love you. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you to go before us. We pray this in your name.